Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We got lots of Cubs bits to talk after a, you know, a decent weekend series against the Rangers. You know, I'm, I always hesitate because I, I swear it's not me. I've never looked this up to confirm it, but I know in my bones it must be true that the Cubs of the last decade absolutely lead the league in weekend series, especially at home, where they take the first two games of a weekend series at home and then lose on Sunday. I just, I, I swear to God. And the reason I know what happens all the time is because, you know, Sunday, you're home with family. You're sort of like, unless, well, if you're covering, if you're at the ballpark, my apologies, but otherwise you're at home, it's Sunday, you're, you've got one eye on the game, one eye on your family. You're trying to enjoy family time, sort of have it both ways. And the Cubs just end up pissing you off. And so I've got this deeply negative association with Sunday Cubs baseball. And it just I just get sick when I think about it. And I know that that's why I have that horrible association. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I thought about it before yesterday's game. Just the idea of kind of... You know, this isn't the great Cubs teams uh, that we saw, you know, five years ago or whatever. So, so it doesn't really apply to this team. But there's a piece that Patrick and I wrote prior to, I believe it was the 2019 season, right, uh, Patrick? And and it was one of the point. You know, there was a list of things that kind of uh, the front office was hoping uh, Joe Madden could kind of emphasize entering the season, and one of them was. When you win the first two games of a series, don't like don't let up. It's not just a, like sweep those teams. Like put your foot on their throat type type mentality. Uh, like don't like there's there's no let ups during the season. Um, during those, uh, you know, those you win the first two, you win the first three, whatever of a longer series, just just finish them off type mentality. Uh, this isn't that team, right? This is the, this team doesn't have those expectations. So I think you can you can live with uh, two out of three, but I totally understand where you're coming from as far as ending a series with a, like it almost like it, you know, like a staggered win, lose, win rather than win, win, lose. Right. Uh, but so I, I get the mentality as uh, uh, for fans there, but uh, you know, it's the same thing. It's a, they, they do need, you, you would like to see them take some of these when, when you win those first two, like start sweeping teams, start, start like run off a, run off a little winning streak here and, and get some momentum, especially when Luis Castillo is, is pitching against not them to, Monday night. 
you got to slide back in because now I'm remembering. So I now remember you mentioned that pre-2019 because there was the whole thing about like Joe Madden being asked to kind of refocus on certain things. I remember you guys writing that. Uh, didn't work out, but doesn't mean you guys were, were wrong. Uh, so that I'm remembering another thing. I can't remember if it was last season or the season prior where the Cubs ha- were the last team in baseball to pull off a sweep that season. And it wasn't until like... I want to say it was like July maybe and but that, that must that, have been that, last year maybe there, there was something because about they, 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 they played were just, well remember that May of 2021 yeah, they played really oh, well that's they right. swept they played a few well teams into June yeah yeah so either it was last year or I'm remember or I'm <clears throat> misremembering some of the particulars but there was something that like again now that we're talking about it this concept is hitting me again that it feels like you know it it, but then they then they won, went on those like long winning streaks there in the second half last year. So they should have carried that with them. <laughs> well, they should All benefit right. from you know, players are a little different today, but like three day games in a row at Wrigley and like team coming in from the road, you know, nice dinner Friday night, going out Saturday night, you know, either their families are in town or they have other things they want to do in Chicago. Like, those visiting teams, very broadly speaking, should be dragging on those uh, Sunday af- afternoon games, but did not see that yesterday. They need to deliver more beer bats to the yes. opposing uh, clubhouse <laughs> on Sundays. <laughs> All right, we can we can talk some actual baseball now. So, uh, as we said, Cubs won the first two games of the series, got fantastic performances again from Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele. Uh, the bats really exploded on Saturday and uh, then Sunday's loss, I think was not as bad as it looked. If you sort of drill down on some individual performances, I don't think Jamison Tyone was nearly as bad as his line ended up showing. And we can dig into any of those things that you want, but I just want to mention a factoid that uh, my buddy, Michael Cerami at Bleacher Nation dug up. Uh, I was looking back specifically at, Justin Steele's performance going back to June of last year, second best ERA in baseball behind Justin Verlander. Um, So, I mean, he's been outstanding. And what Michael noted was through those first two starts, not only has Justin Steele not allowed a single barrel yet, which is, for those that don't know, a barrel is sort of the perfect, or a range of combinations of launch angle and exit velocity that generally produce serious damage. So obviously pitchers want to avoid that. Uh, through two starts, Justin Steele, no barrels allowed. Through two starts, Marcus Stroman, no barrels allowed. That's nuts. That's just crazy. Because sometimes you just accidentally run into one. Um, so that that speaks, I think, a lot to, you know, what we've said before about what we hope the Cubs pitching can be, which is, yeah, get your strikeouts, but also just let this defense eat. And that maybe was not what showed up on Sunday. Um <laughs> Which maybe maybe that's where I'll leave it dangling and let you pick it up wherever you want. Yeah, wow, uh, they're doing that without facing the Cubs lineup. Holy cow! Oh, <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> uh, fourth lowest barrel percentage in all of baseball, by the way. Uh, Cubs pitchers? Which, no, oh, no, Cubs hitters. Cubs hitters. <laughs> Cubs hitters. I bet uh, Cubs pitchers might be fourth lowest too. Yeah, let's check. Uh, I'll we check may as while well. you're. They I'll are. I'll look it up while you're uh, filibustering. So. So this is like I'm I'm gonna go a quick sidebar since I brought that up. Listen, the Cubs offense has looked pretty solid uh, results wise. Their their BABIP is in is pretty high. 
Their ground ball rate is pretty high. They're going to go through a lull unless something changes, and it's going to be ugly for a little bit. So, so my point is games like yesterday can't happen where Nick Madrigal misses the tag at third, which would have been an amazing play if he pulled that off, right? Uh, and, and he needed to eat that. Once he goes for the tag, you eat that knowing who the runner is. That's one of the fastest guys in baseball running down to first in Bubba Thompson. Uh, so that's, that's an unacceptable mistake right there as far as throwing the ball. I, I'm fine with him trying to get that out at third. Uh, but once you do that, you eat it. And then uh, Trey Mancini was was forthright and coming out and saying like he he screwed up in right field bad read bad jump a bad route everything was bad about that uh it's kind of wild that it's eight games in and there have been two critical plays pop-ups in right field right uh I mean just like we we thought it was going to be the bat that you really missed with say a Suzuki but I don't know if he makes both those plays but I think it it looks better (laughs) If it's, say, Suzuki not coming up with those instead of Miles Mastroboni and Trey Mancini. Uh, Mastroboni is just taking so much heat from Cubs fans. Wow. They they don't they really don't like him. Uh, Some but, bad luck, too. Like, he's yeah. actually really smacking the ball, but he's striking out a lot. They're finding And gloves. he's not a strikeout guy. He's not, So it's weird, at least in the minors, he hasn't been. But whatever. Like, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see if he's the one that's sent down or if it's Madrigal that's sent down. Either way... Uh, the offense can't like is is going to go through a lull, right? Like we know this. It, those ten run games uh, that we saw the on on Saturday and what was the other game Tuesday when when there's when they kind of break out, those are going to be the rarities. So the defense has to be clean. Uh, I really liked what Tyon did. I thought thought he was a little off early on with the strike throwing, and then he found it and he cruised. He looked great outside of bad defense behind him. He that was a great outing. Uh, which gives you, which should give you some optimism as far as the front three looks good. Uh, you said all that stuff about Stroman and Steele. I mean, just an amazing start for both those guys. So you want like pitching and defense. It has to just stay true throughout the season. Uh, a game like yesterday has to be a one-off, right? We, we have to say like, remember that game back in April where the defense was suspect it, it has to be the one one time out of 30 right you cannot do this regularly otherwise this this season just won't work out as as the Cubs hope because uh, we know the offense is going to struggle at times I get why the Cubs want to see what they have in Master Boney I think a guy who was killing it for the Rays AAA affiliate there's a certain like logic there I don't really get sticking with a guy the White Sox drafted fourth overall, but reading the way that David Ross talks about Nick Madrigal is like, he has his back. I think it was like just the day before he's like, he's a completely different player than he was from the year before. And maybe he is, um, but it's just, uh, it's harder for me to see like, where's the there there of just like, okay, not quite a standout infielder at any position, does not hit for power, not exceptional speed. Yes, there is a skill set there that could be uh, valuable. And, you know, I do think, you know, it's pretty obvious here how Seiya Suzuki is kind of like the glue to this team or the best version of this team. And I know, Brett, you alluded to this on your site today of like, 
how the Cubs are going to manage this. I think, you know, typically, as you said, there's usually a day off after two games. I know that's what Ross had said going into the weekend. Of it's like, we'll take two games and assess. But, I mean, this guy's got to be getting on a plane really soon here, right? I mean, looking at what he could do for the lineup, how that lengthens everything, and just how it tightens up that defense in right field. And that's a point that, you know, Ian Happ made. Like, when you can roll out the same guys every single day, the communication is better. Just the way that our defenders can play off of each other, the trust level, like all of those things. And say it could be like a really big uh, eraser for some of these issues we've been seeing. Uh, yeah, I want to take that in a few, or I guess at least I want to throw away a couple mentions and then continue with that. Cause I think there's a lot there. Um, one thing I was thinking about with the, you know, what are the odds two bloopers into right field would prove so big, you know, so short into the season. I think it is just sort of a statistical fluke, but in the old days, you know, who knows what I think, were they both righties? Was one of them lefty? Yeah, no, maybe they're both righties. So the, the new shift rules don't really come into play there where you, you wouldn't have had Nico Horner sort of back there in the grass. But I mention it in any case, just because I want to have that in mind, you know, as we look ahead into the season where like you wonder, we focus so much on ground balls. And I do think that's where the Cubs BAPIP is coming from that Sahadev mentioned. I think they've, it just feels like they've had a ton of ground balls find the outfield. Maybe that continues, maybe it doesn't. Um, but those bloopers, you do wonder if the ability of outfielders to come in on the ball is going to be really important. And uh, as, as memory serves, uh, Seiya Suzuki is pretty solid at that. We know Cody Bellinger is great all around, and Ian Happ is very good at that as well. So I think you're right, um, Mooney, that when Seiya comes back, there's going to be probably an up, upgrade to the defense. Um, one other throwaway thing, just to confirm, Cubs pitchers, sixth lowest barrel rate. So batters, fourth lowest, pitchers, sixth lowest. So I guess the bat- the pitchers are, or no, the yeah, I guess the pitchers are winning right now because it's not like it's a, it's not a badge of honor to be the fourth lowest on the hitting side. Uh, so, okay, Seiya is coming back sooner rather than later. Um, and then I think that opens up a couple of areas for conversation one of which is just the roster discussion, uh, which we kind of started there. I think the Cubs have four possible ways they could go, which that too is very atypical. Usually guys out for a while, you have someone filling in and you sort of know, okay, here's what's going to happen. I could make an argument that the Cubs could send Nick Madrigal down for the reasons discussed. I think he's, you know, once Trey Mancini and Patrick Wisdom no longer have starts available in right field, the whole infield gets squeezed at the DH spot and third base in such a way that like, I don't want Patrick wisdom sitting down right now. I don't want him sitting very off. I know that part of that is coordinating against the right pitchers, but like, I don't want to sit him in favor of magical in almost any start right now. So, okay. So then magical, what is just a pure bench guy. He's only 25. Give him some starts. So I think that's a thought. I think Edwin Rios is not playing very much. Uh, I love having his bat available. I get the sense that the Cubs love having his power bat available, but you know, he's just, he's not being used very much. He homered yesterday and that was his first hit of the year, eight games into the season, I believe. And it's not because he's been terrible. It's because he hasn't really played. Uh, and then obviously miles master um, you know, the versatility is valuable. The lefty bat off the bench. Um, I think he is suited more to a utility role like that. So it's, 
it wouldn't surprise me for him to stick around, especially knowing that he had so much success at AAA last year. There's not really much for him to do developmentally. Uh, and then lastly, the Cubs, they don't have to keep three catchers. They didn't want to, but I think as we've discussed before, the problem with Luis Torrens is that you can't option him to the minors. If the Cubs lose him, they lose him. And so those are the angles. It's, it's, made even more complicated by the fact that the Cubs already arguably have two players at AAA in Christopher Morrell and Nelson Velasquez who could probably improve this big league bench if that was the route the Cubs wanted to go. So I don't know. My my gut says it's most likely to be, you know, one of the three optionable players. And I don't know, maybe David Ross fights for Madrigal to stay and it's one of the two lefties. Yeah, it- I mean, uh, you, you'd almost want those lefties. I mean, I feel like you need the lefties off the bat, off the bench. You have two very different types of lefties in Mastroboni and, and Rios. Uh, but you're right. Like he, I mean, Patrick's right. The the way Ross talks about Madrigal is very different than than the way he was talking about him last year. Uh, the way Madrigal is talking about himself, like. He, I, I think Ross mentioned in pregame on Sunday how basically it took him all day to get ready. And we asked Madrigal about that yesterday Yesterday after the game. And he said he'd show up hours before others would uh, be at the ballpark. It just took him that long to get loose and ready. Like, his body was not right. Uh, it, I, I Like, part of me is like they, they did the kid a disservice by by not just having him be at the minors and and like rehabbing longer uh, I think they they probably realized they made a mistake there and should have he should have started the season on the IL and and really been working to get his body right instead of just forcing him onto the roster uh, he's a you know I, I think there's also a stigma with him where uh, he's he's starting two steps back with in everyone's mind right but if you look at the numbers, through uh, a certain amount of games, you know, what what are eight games? I know Nick doesn't have a ton of uh, at bats, so it's not a fair comparison. But he's basically the player Nico Horner has been on offense, right? Obviously, Nico brings significant value on defense, but but they've been pretty similar players through the first eight games. Uh, but Madrigal doesn't get the benefit of the doubt, which I get. Uh, you know, Nico's kind of Nico's just a different. Uh, player in general as far as what he brings off the field and 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 just everything that he does and we've seen it from him as well we've seen him uh hit before uh Cubs fans have not seen that with Madrigal White Sox fans got a taste of it but I I get it I I I think it's going to be a fascinating decision and honestly I thought it was going to be Madrigal uh you know probably last time we did this podcast but the weekend has me wondering what what are they going to do? Uh, maybe it is. Maybe maybe it's just as simple as Master Boney. Maybe that's the guy that goes down. Let him be the utility guy at at AAA. Right? He can. He'll probably play multiple positions out there and and play semi regularly. And we can kind of see what what his numbers will be at AAA. I think he's a valuable player. I think he's a good bench player and kind of has a future role there. But uh, you know, well, I, and I have to we'll, keep we'll see. I got to keep reminding folks, the Cubs, Master Boney was not like a waiver claim, nothing pickup. The Cubs traded a legit relief prospect, albeit a low-level relief prospect, but it was a good young relief prospect that they traded to get him. So they believe in him. And you know what? I don't think 
they love like so part of this I think is I'm not sure how much they love his third base defense uh, along with Edwin Rios so we haven't seen those guys play third I don't Rios hasn't played third right so uh, that's another thing like I think Ross really likes the fact that he doesn't have to force wisdom into the lineup against these guys that throw four seamers up in the zone when you obviously I get what you're saying Brett you don't want to sit Patrick Wisdom when he's hitting like he is but part of the reason he's hitting like he is is because he's not being exposed by guys that that you know like throw to his weaknesses so you have to take there's a give and take there I totally get it and uh, Ross talked about it and it was something I was going to write about but I focused on the defense instead but like these mix and match parts work until they don't right it's someone's ego gets in the way someone goes in a two-week slump uh whatever it may be like it, it it's it's great to have in theory but it doesn't always work out the 2000 what 21 giants are kind of the one-off right and and they proved it themselves the next year it doesn't always work you need to hit like every single guy needs to a accept their role which is really hard in the big leagues these guys all think they're everyday players uh, and B, they have to produce, right? So, th- like those, uh, that all happening together, egos staying out of the way, guys producing uh, on the day that they're in the lineup. It's just it, it it doesn't always work out. But I I do like the fact that wisdom looks like a superstar when he's not being exposed. So like it, it works partly. It, you just want Madrigal to hit or Mastroboni to hit or Rios or whoever it may be subbing in for wisdom on that day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sadie, I read a quote from Ross in your story uh, last night. I just wanted to clarify. Was he like asked specifically about Rios? And basically the uh, implication was like the only way he's going to play is as a DH again in certain matchups. Is that reading too much into it? Uh, I'd, I'd have to look at the quote again. Um because uh, I'm not sure which one you're referring to. You're, but Booney, you're talking about the one that was basically, he was talking about how guys just have to sort of accept their roles. And Some, that's how yeah, it is yeah, I thought it was, uh, maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but I, I just I just think it's interesting that we talk about, we talked about Dave Ross's in-game stuff uh, last week, and I do think his in-clubhouse, in-the-manager's office stuff will be interesting because of what Sahad is talking about here of like, all these guys think they should play, you know, 162 games a year. And Dansby Swanson is the only one who will have like a chance to like come close to doing that. And, you know, the Cubs have thrown a lot of these pieces together and on paper or in theory, a lot of it could work, but it requires an amount of buy-in that I do think David Ross will have to get and not just get, but also, maintain like it's easier to do that when you're the Giants and you're winning a hundred something games but when you have this kind of collection of role players who all of them are you know on kind of short-term deals trying to find their footing trying to get to the next level like I I do think that'll that'll be something we're gonna have to monitor to see if someone pops off at some point 
if that it's, interestingly, sorry, if it's the no, if it's the quote I'm thinking no, of, no, no. <laughs> No, if it's a quote I'm, I'm thinking of, he basically is saying he's 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 going to get more at bats as the season goes along. But but he's he's a bench guy. He's he's a bench guy and he needs to prepare himself uh, appropriately. And he has been. He kind of praised him for this guy understands his role and, and kind of, you know, he's preparing himself. He's working in the cage, getting extra work, trying to stay fresh because it is a difficult role when you're not there every day in the lineup. Uh, I, I don't think he was saying. Uh, much more than that but I I mean I think with his actions he's saying like yeah, this guy's mostly a DH right uh, what I was going to say does tie to all that it's just it's just to say that a an upside of say a Suzuki returning in addition to the obvious stuff is because like we mentioned at the top of this discussion he's not replacing like a fill-in right fielder you know like a young guy who's been doing really well um, instead, his starts are going to be replacing these utility guys, these bench guys, these one-off fill-ins for a given day, uh, because, you know, Mancini's not sitting down every day. Wisdom's going to keep doing his matchups. So really, the Cubs, in theory, should get a pretty considerable bump to the lineup with the addition of Suzuki, because, again, it's not like he's replacing some young guy who's been raking. Um, the question is, one... What is the what is the time period look like for a guy who missed all of spring training and who got very brief ramp up time in the minors? You know, what's it going to look like facing big league pitching? And I think you could argue, hey, look at last year. He got a very brief spring training because of the lockout and the late signing and he raked right away. Um, you know, the flip side or I suppose in addition to that, a lot of positional guys say, hey, I only need a week's worth of games and I'm ready to go. Um, flip side is, you know, you look at a spring like Dansby Swanson his swing her his spring was like exactly the perfect length for him to just get all those timing issues out and then boom day one go and i i worry a little bit that cubs fans at least you know are going to see say a return and it's like okay now i look up and down the lineup and i'm like okay i could see this being decent and i think it's still probably going to be a lineup that is is erratic at best yeah i, I mean i said it i before but i i have some questions about this offense maybe it's maybe and like this is the positive spin on it maybe they're they're working through some things they'll get the ball in the air more start hitting the ball harder more often and and the fact that they're four and four through the offense like being a little lucky with the BABIP is is fine right and and the BABIP will will reduce but but they'll have someone like Saya who barrels the ball up Happ will start barreling up more regularly uh, you know, like Swanson, Nico's been okay, right? He hasn't been great. I don't think he's been barreling the ball up very much. He's you. You expect him to improve. So, I I do like the potential of the top four. Uh, I talked to Mancini. So after I talked to him about his uh, defensive mistake, he's still kind of. He says he's not great at the plate right now. Uh, but he's he's. He's gotten some results uh, of late. So I think you kind of take that too. Like this is, I think this comes back to the fact of this is what happens when you have some veterans, right? It, in in spots that were filled by guys that weren't, uh, you know, didn't have the same way of going about business at the plate, especially if, if a guy is in, in the type of rut that Mancini believes he's in as far as the way he feels at the plate and he's still okay, I think it, 
that that a guy like you know I'm, I don't I don't need to bring up other names, but a guy that isn't as experienced feeling like that is going to be a mess. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, you know, younger guys that just don't belong in the big leagues can't fight through these difficult moments. So I think that's just another aspect of okay, this is what having this veteran uh, gives you. Uh, these professional at bats it's like yeah i don't feel right but i'm gonna i i have some things that i can i can do uh kind of fight pitches off and and then dump one the other way whatever it may be uh and it works out uh but in general yeah i i'm a little i'm starting to watch the offense and wonder how is this gonna get be be one of those teams where I mean, we kind of knew it, right? That they're going to have to win a lot of uh, close, low-scoring games. We haven't really seen that much yet outside of the first weekend, I guess. But but that's how it's going to have to be. And circling back to where Brett started this conversation, like if those Stroman steel starts happened on Friday and Sunday or Saturday and Sunday, I think we'd be talking about something different. I think Sahadev would have written a different story uh, on Sunday at Wrigley that, you know, this is how this team wins instead of this is why this team will lose close games. And, you know, if those guys are awesome, and I think there are reasons to think that, like, Stroman is locked in for this particular season and that Steele has made so many, like, gradual improvements over the years that it's hard to fully appreciate, like, how good he is. And part of that is on him to put together the volume this season of more than whatever, 120, 130 innings that he has to take that next leap. But, you know, I do think there is a a blueprint here of like, okay, this is how the Cubs can stay relevant and that they definitely need to tread water here on a very difficult stretch of the season just to give themselves uh, a little more leeway as we head into the summer but you know now it's obviously on you know drew smiley to be the guy that we saw for flashes last year it's on hayden wesneski to you know be a rookie of the year type candidate um because stroman and Steele aren't going to start every single game but they're they've given the cubs a chance here to have like you know a decent april and build some momentum into may yeah and Steele and stroman are going to have clunkers occasionally too even if they're having a great season i think it's funny the one area that we haven't talked about in any of this and we talk about it pretty rarely is the bullpen because i think we all land on the same in the same place that i'm just not worried about the bullpen i think um, not only do i really like the collection that the cubs have in place now um, i think there'll be some shuffling we know brandon hughes will be back um, somewhat soonish i think the cubs might slow play that one a little bit for to make sure he's fully ramped up and for decision purposes. And maybe then Javier Assad goes down and, and stretches back out. But, you know, it, it, like Michael Fulmer looks amazing. He, I know he was, I know he already was good in this conversion to, to reliever, but he looks amazing. And other guys in the bullpen just look fantastic. Michael Rucker looks like a legit dude. And they've got an Iowa bullpen that is I know not everybody follows it this closely and I get that the competition level is different, but like it is overflowing with guys where you're like, well, that guy needs a chance in the big leagues and that guy needs a chance in the big leagues and that guy. needs, And so the bullpen is one area where of course there'll be one-off games where 
one guy has a bad day and blows it or this ball falls in and whatever. But in the aggregate, it's just an area that I'm not not worried about. And so it, I just I wanted to mention it, not because I want to start up a big dialogue at the bullpen. We can. But I just wanted to mention it for anyone listening who's like, they never talk about they talk about <laughs> the offense and the starters. Well, it's just because I don't have any concerns about the bullpen. I mean, even the days where the bullpen has gotten touched up, like I don't remember them getting like liner after liner against them or just like stacking up a ton of walks like walks have hurt them on occasion, uh, you know, this early in the season. But uh, for the most part, it's they've been dinked and dunked when when they have been uh, scored upon. So, yeah, bullpen looks strong. We'll see. We'll, you know, it's just such a volatile unit. I don't like to assume that even like even though I was singing their praises last podcast, it's more about like I like the group, but I, you know, I, I'd like to see a month or two of really strong work, and then and then you can feel good about it uh, and trust that ex- those guys are. To the extent you're worried about it, you, to, no, to the it's you not. Play, you would it would be because you'd be worried about any literally any right. bullpen in the history of baseball. Yeah, but my, I think it, when you talk about the depth, I I think that's great and it's important. Sometimes the way baseball works sometimes is you want to like uh, like with these smaller moves, it's like you want to catch the lightning in a bottle at times, right? Timing has to be right, so. If something weird does happen, if one of the guys goes in a slump in the bullpen and they have to send him down, if someone gets hurt, right, you just want to hope that that's timed up with this guy's locked in, Cam Sanders locked in, Jeremiah Estrada's locked in, because relievers are weird. Like, they just go up and down over the course of the season. Their arms feel off for, for a couple of weeks, whatever it may be, right? Uh, so you just want to hope that that and i guess that's that's the benefit of having not one or two guys at AAA but like six that are interesting right so that's that's the benefit of that that okay yeah uh cam sanders is maybe or german whatever one of the those guys is maybe the most talented of the group but they may not be the first one called up because they may not be locked in the next time they need a reliever whatever it may be so so it's going to be it, it it's it'll be interesting to see how that goes uh, as the season progresses, because it's not going to be just those eight guys that are in the bullpen all all year long. Yeah, I mean bullpens are are for off days to talk about. I mean beat writing one hundred and one. As soon <laughs> as you like commit to a bullpen story or something, like oh I got all these good stats and trends, and oh I got a quote from the manager pregame, I got a quote good quote from a reliever pregame, then it always blows up by like the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, so. On Thursday, if, if if you were craving bullpen talk, Brett, we could do it do it for an off day. We'd have a good time because <laughs> saying this now, it totally is going to blow up. If you try, I was going to yeah. say, well, I've already I've already doomed them <laughs> yeah. to lose two, yeah. at least two of these games because totally, of totally. Uh, something in the bullpen. But see, I bet this ain't my first rodeo. I'll be able to talk around any of that. There is no <laughs> no bullpen occurrence this week that I could not say. Yeah, but here's the thing about that. uh all right maybe we'll maybe we'll leave it there then for for today uh the cubs have the mariners coming in for three um cubs get the front of the mariners rotation but um you know speaking of barrels they don't give up barrels yeah i i was looking flexen must be like a total contact manager guy must be because his his other stuff is not super impressive he must just be kind of a funky guy i i I was not super familiar with him 
Um, and what Logan Gilbert and uh, Luis Castillo. So it, yeah. it's a tough. It's going to be a tough <laughs> be one tough. for these Cubs bats, and maybe we'll see the return of Seiya Suzuki somewhere within that series. I would not count on it tonight. Uh, just my gut says they're going to give him the full day today. But then again, they do need that bat. So um, we will be back at you on Thursday after the series and in advance of the West Coast trip that starts with the Dodgers. So, yeah, might might want to win another series this week, Cubs. And uh, this is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you as always. And hey, you know, it's April 10th and the Cubs are still 500. So I'm going to keep ticking that. Like as I just want as deep as they can go in the season and keep it around here. I'll be, I'll be a happy boy. So uh, you all take care. We'll talk to you guys soon.